Listener Production. On today's edition of Footy Talk, I'm joined by Nick Rewalt, where we look at the fallout from the Demons and were they distracted and did that cost them a place in the preliminary final? We look ahead to the Blues and the Brisbane Lions and is Harry Mackay the right man to take him to a grand final? And we look at Collingwood v the Giants and how good of a matchup that will be. That's up next on Footy Talk. You're listening to Footy Talk, and this is your daily dose of news, interviews, analysis, and the world of AFL as we gear up for preliminary final week on this Tuesday morning. As always, I'm joined by Nick Rewalt. You're over in Texas, really. I'm over in your old neck of the woods, the Gold Coast. Good to see you, buddy. How's things? Uh, what are you doing up there, Joey? Catching a few waves? Yeah, that's it. Getting out on the surfboards and cruising down Cavill Avenue. No, doing a little bit of basketball stuff, getting ready for that in the summer, but um, yeah, nice to be back on the Gold. Did you miss it? What were your experiences growing up on the Goldie, did you love it? Great spot to grow up uh, as a uh, you know as a school kid or a child or whatever. But I think once you hit that eight eighteen sort of threshold, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I reckon it's a joint you want to get out of pretty pretty quick. Um, unless you got something there to keep you disciplined, like the footy and uh, the Gold Coast Suns obviously have that up there. But no, I, I've got great memories from uh, from growing up on the Gold Coast. A lot of, lot of friends up there still. So great place, great part of the world. Hey, let's get stuck into the footy. First of all, what did you make of semi-final weekend? Both teams in the top four, Port Adelaide and Melbourne, getting knocked out in straight sets. The pressure was on them. They didn't handle it. And the two teams that are the most in form in the competition, Carlton and the Giants, coming with a rush. Yeah, well, I guess it just really shows, doesn't it, that form at this time of year trumps ladder position. You can put all the hard work in to secure that top four spot. But if you sit there and you're really only paddling, then the sides that are that are coming with a rush that you know some some just managed to scrape in like the Giants scraped in it got got down to the very last round of the final series but they were playing such consistent football those last couple of months that yeah form form is is really the key so it was a great game obviously the uh, the, the Carlton Melbourne game same sort of scenario for us we're up in the morning watching it. And then the boys had to go to school. And so we were just getting the updates on the phone, you know, 50 seconds to go. We're looking at the score. Then all of a sudden, Carlton just ticked ahead. It was like, oh my gosh, what has happened? And I couldn't believe it, Joey. Got home, saw the replay, saw it was our mate again, Blake Akers. Oh, Shakes getting it done in a uh, in a massive final. But what a story. The the, the Carlton yeah. Football Club, the turnaround in the second half of the year. So I, I think in terms of just a neutral football fan's perspective, the Blues being able to do what they have done and now get to a prelim is just a great footy story. Yeah, what about um, – and we will talk about the, the uh, prelims because we could have a Collingwood-Carlton grand final on our hands, like one of the greatest grand finals of all time. Or we could have Brisbane and GWS, and that's still great, but the AFL will say that's good for the good for the game nationally. But uh, we'll chat to that in a moment. I want to ask about your MVP, first of all, for the second week of the finals. Who was the one that caught your eye and you thought, yeah, he deserves a little bit of love today? Oh, it was Sam Walsh. Um, I, I thought he was he was phenomenal. Because his game was so complete. I mean, it reminded me of a, of a Lenny Hayes type game, to be honest, because he did it at the goal face and then he did it with class as well on the outside, which is, I guess, not necessary. Like he, he has had that kind of accumulator style about him at times, but I thought the toughness and also the polish was what just elevated him and separated him in a game that was, you know, in the end, one on, on inches and he was, he was a player that stood out to me. So I thought, you know, from a, a leadership point of view, probably 
you now look back in retrospect at the first half of the year when he was sort of inconsistent with his form and in and out of the side and you just realise the, the importance of the guy to the team, um, you know, to complement some of, some of the other guys that are maybe B-plus type midfielders, but all of a sudden when he's in there and he's the main man driving things, then, then everyone around him looks better. So I thought he was phenomenal. Great, great leader's game. Well, that's a great one. And for me, I'm going someone who played a similar game on the weekend. I thought Steve Canelio, because for a guy that a few years ago was copping all oh, sorts of grief. He got dropped. He, he looked like his career was shot. Uh, it was phenomenal what was going on for a guy that got a big contract on a million dollars a year. But his form this season, my God, there's no surprise why the Giants where they are when Whitfield, Kelly, Canelio, all these guys, and Toby, of course, that we've spoken about as being these prodigies that had a period between 2017 and 2019 where they looked like they were going to take over the competition. And for whatever reason, they all sort of had their little bits of, of fluctuations in form and and now they are all humming. And although Cornelio's game was complete, he was doing it on the inside. He was setting up score involvements, kicking goals himself. He was covering the ground, watching him live. was phenomenal. So I just want to give Steve Cornelio a shout-out for res- not only resurrecting his career, but leading his side to potentially a grand final. Uh, before we get in, as I said, to the prelims, we've just got to touch on the losers from the weekend, and particularly Melbourne. Um, I just want to get your take on a, a couple of – situations that have been spoken about since. The big one is there's a bit of talk now that they're looking back, thinking, reflecting, saying the players were too hung up on the Brayshaw incident from Braden Maynard. There was a lot of chatter in the media, a lot of talk. Do you buy into that could have affected their performance? Well, I don't think so. Uh, you know, I think I think those guys are an experienced group. They've been to big finals before. They've won big finals. They've won a premiership. So I, I, I don't subscribe to that. I it was interesting to hear that that was coming from the Melbourne hierarchy and the Melbourne hierarchy were the one that were potentially feeding that out into uh, into the media landscape. I would have thought that, you know, the, the decision makers at Melbourne would be more focused on the fact that they'd made, you know, some pretty ordinary recruiting decisions to try and fix an apparent problem last year around their forward line. In the end, I'm reluctant to just throw it all out for Melbourne because, again, they they were so close. You know, last year they put themselves in an incredible position. You need a lot to go right, and, and particularly towards the back half of this year, it didn't go right for the Ds. Petty, I think, is a guy that can solve some of those forward issues for them. He wasn't there. We know Melksham wasn't a part of that forward line, so he's not there. Brayshaw is such, a, such an important player for them through the middle and back half of the ground. He's not there, but, but I think – laying it at the feet of distraction for a group that has been so professional, I, I don't buy it. I don't subscribe to it. Yeah, I'm glad you said that about Brayshaw, Rui, because I couldn't agree more. I don't believe talking about it during the week and answering a few questions in the media and those things are going to affect your performance. I, I never buy into the distraction stuff. I think it's probably overplayed a little bit. So I'm a bit like you, surprised that, well, if that's the word coming from the Melbourne hierarchy, I think that's a little bit of a cop-out. They had their chances. It's a bit of a, a common theme, and I'm like you. It's it's like they don't need to throw the baby out with the bathwater, but they just need to alter a little bit to give themselves some better looks. And, uh, and yeah. if they can do that and be a bit more efficient, I've got no doubt they are still a team that's going to be at the top for a number of years. Some of this talk about the window and wasting chances, we only need to look at Geelong. Geelong were up the top for eight, nine, yeah. ten years before they won a premiership with the core group. Now, I think this core group have still got a number of years left, so I'm not too stressed about Melbourne, and I'm not too stressed about, I reckon, the over-exaggeration around the use of Josh Shackey as the sub, because I'm sure the Melbourne coaching panel put a lot of thought into this, 
And their biggest concern was not just if Max Gorn went down, but if if something happened to Tomlinson or Stephen May or Lever or down the other end where they only had Tom McDonald and Joel Smith, that that would have really thrown their their system and the way they like to play, it would have disrupted it significantly. So they wanted the insurance on the bench. They could have covered if, if a runner went down, but I sort of get what they were thinking. And in the end, they didn't really need Josh Shackey. I mean, with a minute to go, they were going to win a semi-final and be in a prelim. So because Blake Agus kicks a goal, everyone then turns around and says, well, it was a, a horrible decision. I'm not so much in that camp. I understood where they were coming from. And you've got to give coaching staffs credit for putting a lot of thought into these things. They don't just throw it out there and then say it was a mistake. There was a reason behind it. Yeah, and we don't know. I mean, yeah. Which of those guys that you mentioned, those key position players, w- were under a cloud that we don't know about? You know, one of them yeah. might have been under some sort of cloud and could have gone down in the first five minutes. So it was a structural play as much as anything. You, you don't go into the game thinking that your sub's going to make or break and be the difference between winning and losing. So, yeah, look, hindsight's twenty twenty, and I think when you've been up at the top as long as they have and Really, the only way you frank that performance over a number of years is is winning premierships. We judge those groups really hardly, but I think Melbourne will be there again next year. Yep, so what on. And I'm not sure about this wasting talent too. I mean, they've already won one flag. We know how hard it is to win one. So I don't believe that when teams win one, we just automatically think, oh, they should be winning two or three. Like, I think that's a bit of overkill as well to expect clubs to be winning multiple premierships because we know how hard it is to win one. Everyone talks about how hard it is to win one. You're not hearing too many people that played the game saying that. Hey, um, let's look ahead to the prelims, the Blues and Brisbane Lions. The Blues, it's going to be fascinating because Harry Mackay and Jack Martin are both available. Michael Voss has basically declared they will play. He wants Harry Mackay in the side, but Tom DeConey looked really good as a forward. That was probably as good as he's played without Harry Mackay. Are you slightly concerned they can be a little bit top-heavy? And we know generally in prelims, the key forwards don't really have a massive impact on games. We know they can have some some big moments and things like that, but are they going to be a bit too top-heavy? We've had this conversation, haven't we? And we know the yeah. answer is we, is we were concerned about this when Harry Mackay was out and Charlie Kernow was performing so well and it coincided with the team having that really great resurgence and run of form and Michael Voss was resolute. He said he was going to come back in. He did come back in, and it didn't really impact the team's form. Harry didn't come in and, and set the world on fire, but it didn't impact the team's form as dramatically as I think we thought it was going to. The different element to it now is Tom DeConey has actually played that role and played it really well, which is, was not the case before. Uh, so, yeah, look, I, I'd be feeling a little bit under pressure if I was Harry, knowing that, that DeConey had, had performed the task and, and, and played admirably. But if Vossi's declared it, he's declared it. And, you know... I think if you're if you're the opposition, you, you probably put yourself in their situation. What and you ask, what would they rather? What would they they be most concerned about? Would it would it be Harry coming in, stretching our defence, and maybe getting hold of us in a final? I still think outside of Harris Andrews, that key defensive post for Brisbane can be a bit of an Achilles heel for them. I'd be more inclined to load up in the front half and, and back the guys to get the job done. Yeah, and they've won both games, probably without Charlie Kerno having any real huge influence. So he might just be primed for a big prelim. I think Brisbane, though, are in pretty great shape, Rue. They haven't lost at home all year. I think they are ready. This is their time. You'd speak about teams peppering the top four. They've been there now for the fifth year in a row. I, I think that they are primed and will probably get the job done. But, gee, it's going to be exciting. I can't wait to see what the Blues can bring and whether Vossi can keep the role going. What about the other prelim? This is fascinating. Collingwood have been the best team all year 
They're just sitting, waiting for the Red Hot Giants to come to town. They are absolutely humming. They play very similar styles. I think since about the midway point of the year, they're number one and two in the competition of scoring from the back half. That slingshot counterattack that has, has worked brilliantly for both teams is going to be on display. But what do they do about Toby Green? Because this is Collingwood's situation now. They are not a team that will stick one player on one man, whether it's Isaac Quainel or Braden Maynard, and lock down. That's not how they defend. They defend as a system. They'll come off, they'll roll around, they'll trust and they'll, they'll support. Is that the right way to play for Toby Green? Do you have to back your system in or should you be changing it for certain individuals? you got to back your system in, Joey, because I think if you if you go away from that to, to now all of a sudden change the way you're going to play, because it's about filling space. It's about just rolling and, and knowing that the next one's going to come. Now, if all of a sudden you've got one guy that's just locked onto an opponent, you roll, you're expecting the player that's on Toby Green to roll off and cover your man and he does it, it pulls the whole thing apart. So Craig McRae, he strikes me as the guy and a guy that's just going to continuously say, how we play is how we play. Our system versus your system. Our effort versus your effort. Let's go to war and see who walks out victorious at the end. And, and I think Collingwood will back their system in and, and hope that the ability to, to, to cover and to come off and support in the air and do all of those sort of things will, will render any forward, not just Toby Green, useless on the day. Yeah, good point. And it's funny, you think about the Giants this year and coach Adam Kingsley, how much it's been similar to Collingwood where you realise and go, gee, they have a stack of talent. And for whatever reason, they had a couple of years that they were just got a bit stale as a club. And then when the new coaches come in, added his imprint and we've seen what the Pies have done and the Giants are heading in a similar trajectory. And hopefully for Collingwood's sake, the run stops like it did for Collingwood last year in a preliminary final. Hey, we'll take a break, Rue. We're going to do a quick version of Real Talk Shit Talk. And we've got a special question from the fans, and we'll get their answer right after this. You're listening to Footy Talk. If you're listening on Spotify, please hit the bell. You're listening to Footy Talk. If you have a question for us, get on Instagram at footytalk underscore pod or on TikTok at footytalkpod. Nick Rewalt, just a quick little hit of real talk, shit talk. First one for you. Richard Goida, as his position of chairman of Qantas, should be using his position to make airfares cheaper for the Blues fans to get up to Brisbane this weekend. I can't believe he hasn't already done it, Joey. I read the article the other day about the uh, price gouging from Qantas and... Given all of the PR disasters that they're facing at the moment, this was an absolute free kick. You've got the chairman of the AFL and Qantas in a position where he could do something for the public (laughs) and uh, they didn't do it. So I I think it's an opportunity missed. Not surprising, really, uh, given their track record for recent times. Yes. Um, It's amazing, uh, the the, the fourth and grace. But yeah, without without politicising it, um, I I can't believe they they didn't take that opportunity to... um, to try and get a little bit of positive PR out of the situation. And one for you, Joey. Uh, it was only in August where Port Adelaide signed Ken Hinckley or re-signed Ken Hinckley. Did they pull the trigger at the right time or go too early? Um, no, I don't think it when it mattered. I still think even if they went out in straight sets, you would be a bold club to not have re-signed Ken Hinckley for another couple of years. I think that... 
yes, they had a couple of disappointing finals. They look pretty banged up. And they've admitted with the way they're going about the trade period, trying to get two key defenders and a Ruckman, that they have some deficiencies on their list. So I still think he's a great coach. I think they've done the right thing. And I think Port Adelaide will be around the mark again next year. Hey, I said before the break, there was a question that we fired out to our fans on Instagram. Who is the recruit of the year? We had Blake Akers, Tom Mitchell, Tim Taranto, Bobby Hill, and the recency bias kicked in. Rue, the fans answered. They said Blake Akers in a landslide has been the recruit of the year. I can tell you, when they were struggling through about the middle part of the year, that necessarily wasn't the conversations I were hearing. But credit to Blake, and we know him. He's a, he's a strong character, and he's a high talent. He's put together a sensational back half of the year, and you touched on him earlier, culminating in a wonderful final series. So well done to Blake. Adam Kinsley, probably hard done by Adam Kingsley is a recruit of the year. Very, very good indeed. Hey, just the last one on a sad note, really, on a sad note, I should say. St Kilda Premiership hero and Team of the Century member, Cowboy Neil, has passed away at the age of 78, one of the well, the most iconic figures at our football club of all time. Lost his battle. What a terrific man and a terrific person he has been for the footy club. Yeah, incredible guy, Cowboy. I mean, we were so fortunate as young players that he was a really visible profile around the football club. He worked in the marketing department there and uh, just a a larger-than-life character. And quick little story about Cowboy, but it always used to drive Cowboy absolutely bonkers that Barry Breen was so fondly remembered for kicking the winning point in the (laughs) 1996 grand final. And any time it came up, Cowboy just walked past and he goes, you realised I kicked five. He kicked, he kicked a bloody point. I actually kicked five <laughs> goals. I'm the reason we won. And Breedy gets yeah. all the attention. So he had a great sense of humour. Just uh, it's such a such an incredible player who contributed so strongly, as strongly as anyone, to the uh, the one and only flag for the for the Saints. So um, yeah, great great personality, great man, and and will be sorely missed. So rest in peace, Cowboy. Rest in peace, Cowboy. Thoughts with the family. Hey, thank you. For your time, really, tomorrow, Abby Holmes will be with Mitch Robinson. I hope he doesn't try and make the Brisbane Carlton prelim anything to do with him because it's got nothing to do with Mitch, but I'm sure he probably will. He'll be on the show. Looking forward to that. Until then, enjoy your day. We'll see you again. Rui, this has been Footy Talk. Listener.